0: Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by Jodorowsky's Dune producer Steve Scarlatta and Josh Miller, where they explore some of the greatest movies that were never made, from ET2 to Tim Burton's Superman, Night Skies, to Star Trek The Academy Years. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of Star Trek, check out my new sci-fi TV series Pandora, debuting on The CW and around the world on July 9th, starring Priscilla Quintana and Oliver Dench, and you can find out more by downloading the Unboxing Pandora podcast, available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. Transmit now. <laughs> okay, there we go. Hey, I'm Mark Altman.
1: And we are. And we are. The Inglorious Trexperts. Welcome. Welcome.
2: Libya updates, details at midnight.
3: Tonight, an ABC premiere presentation. William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy take off on the Starship Enterprise and encounter the unknown. Spoiler alert! alert. <laughs> 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 Secure all stations. Systems overloading, Hunter. Captain, Captain we've been seized by a tractor beam. Get ready for the unexpected. The ultimate human adventure, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Hey,
0: guys.
1: Rate right a G. We're,
0: we're good. <laughs> so we're back. We're, we're back. And, we're back and um, you know, I don't know, for those of you who, who attend our panels every year, Hopefully, you're aware of the podcast we launched last October. It's doing, like, insanely well. I don't know what that really means, but it's doing insanely well. It means
1: it's insanely well.
0: Yeah, so... uh,
1: We're the insane part.
0: So, Inglorious Treksperts is available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those wonderful places. And you'll be
1: able to hear this one again.
0: Soon. So, anyway... In case uh, you know you didn't get enough excitement from uh, today, you'll be able to relive the magic. That looked like it was
1: action-packed.
0: Before 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 we get started, I want to introduce you to our other inglorious ers trexpers. I I, I
1: came up with a word. Yes, what's that? Um, Darren. Trek on tours.
0: Trek on tours. (laughs) Very nice. Okay, fantastic. Well, I want to start with the editor of the uh, digitalbits.com. He's been a guest on the show where he talked about Star Trek on home video, the long, sad, tragic tale of (laughs) Star Trek on home video, and we're thrilled to have him back with us today, Mr. Bill Hunt. Hello, everybody. And speaking of on tours, Rankin Tour... Trek and Tour. Uh, just, uh, he, you know him. where He's on loan from the Burnett work. We had to pay a <laughs> steep price to uh, get him over here. He's the uh, editor and, and, and writer and director of Free Enterprise. He also did those fantastic Star Trek Blu-ray special editions uh, on, on the Next Generation Enterprise a couple years back. And uh, once again, joining the Trek experts here at San Diego is Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett.
4: Thank you. Um, Mark, I, I just want you to know that my oath of celibacy is on record, so.
0: That's a lie, Mr. Walsh. You're a liar, Mr. Walsh. Um, Mr. Sitting next to uh, Ilya over there is uh, he's the writer of uh, Thor, X Men First Class, Terminator, The Saracona Chronicles. God bless you. I was you. practicing that all weekend, <laughs> and like like uh, in Saturday Night Fever, where he's talking to the Mer, and then uh, we also uh, Lore, and uh, he's Ashley Edward Miller. Welcome, Ashley. To quote Socrates, I drank what? And my, 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 my co-host and, and the uh, uh, visual effects supervisor for the Star Trek, the Motion Picture Director's Edition. Uh, he's a, a noted uh, c- conceptual illustrator. He's worked on films like Riddick and, and Westworld Season 2. Mr. Darren Docterman. Thank you. And of course, I'm a man who needs no introduction because I never give myself one. Uh, Mark A. Altman, and uh, if you don't know who I am, go to IMDb. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm so thrilled that we're here talking about something so close to our heart, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. It's 40 years old.
1: Almost December 7th of this year is the is the anniversary, and uh, you know, a date that will live in infamy, uh, because it uh, it was the next uh, it was the next step in Star Trek's evolution. And the story of V'ger becoming something else is the story of Star Trek becoming something else. And that's what we
3: celebrate.
0: Yes, and, and celebrate is the key word. You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, Star Trek, the motionless picture, or, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, who are very disparaging. Oh, you know, the odd ones all suck. You Nimoy. Know? Um, but <laughs> we're here to, uh, you know, we're here to, to praise Caesar, not to bury him. Um, you know, it's been a long time since we delivered a baby. I hope this one's off to a good one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have celebrated for the last year on the show the 40th anniversary of Star Trek. We had uh, Jeff Bond and Lucas Kendall talking about the... Um, music, the brilliant Jerry Goldsmith score. We've had Dave Fine and Mike Mattesino talking about the director's edition. We had Walter Koenig talking about his brilliant book, uh, uh, Chekhov's Enterprise, and he, he was super candid. Um, I, so all year we've been leading up to this, which right. is you know a distillation of everything we've discussed. And so I want to ask you, because again, we, we're talking about celebrating the 40th anniversary and uh, you know, not indulging in that kind of uh, you know, I mean, Harlan Ellison just remember in Starlog where he just savaged of that. Course. Oh my God! Of course. I mean, you know, uh, it was just it was just brutal. So, uh, but I want to talk about why we love Star Trek: The Motion Picture, and if, if, if you could each take some element of Star Trek: The Motion Picture that you can speak to why this movie is important, why, why it, you love it, and um, I'm going to start with Bill.
2: Well, I tell you. I mean, I I grew up loving Star Trek, just like most of you, I'm sure, and the thing of it is, is it, you we knew it as a certain kind of a TV experience when we were kids, right, growing up when it was syndicated, and then to see it on the big screen, and, you know, the scope and the scale of it with, with the Jerry Goldsmith music, but the moment you knew it was going to be different was that scene where Scotty takes Kirk over to the Enterprise, and, and there's just this slow reveal, and... It's interesting because I recently said this, and people really responded to it. What I want from Star Trek is that feeling I get, the chill up my spine every time the music builds and the pod turns, and then there's the Enterprise. That chill, that, 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 that thrill of exploration and pushing back the frontier and adventure... That is what I want from Star Trek.
0: So you miss uh, the fetishizing of the Enterprise, you know. It, 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 but it's,
2: it, but it's, it's not just the, it's, it, it's the feeling. There's, a, there's some kind of a tone. It's
1: the feeling that the first time it was real.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's, you know, that movie is, is actually high concept science fiction. It, it's kind of mind blowing. And, and we don't see a lot of that these days.
0: Rob, tell us why you love Star Trek The Motion Picture.
4: I was 12 when Star Trek The Motion Picture came out, and I was a fanatical Star Trek fan. Uh, I watched it five nights a week, every night from the time I was five to the time I was 12. And I had just started junior high school. I was in the seventh grade on the cusp of teenagerdom. And what was really interesting, people don't quite remember this now, but the idea that a TV series that... Ended after three years would spawn at the time the most expensive movie ever made, and you'd bring back those same TV actors to play those parts again was amazing. However, and opposed
0: to Robert Redford, who's who the studio wanted to play Captain Kirk.
4: Yeah, it's a it, true it, story. It, it was it was amazing. But what was really interesting is Star Trek: The Motion Picture begins with our our characters all unhappy. And they didn't know where they were supposed to be. Kirk was a desk jockey. Spock was undergoing the culinary discipline. Dr. McCoy was studying Fabrini medicine, which you knew if you read the novelization, which I did before the movie had come out. So they were unhappy. These people were unhappy. They were unsure of where they were. And I personally was unsure of where I was. I, I had gone to a new school. Elementary schools were coming together into one junior high. I didn't know what adolescence uh, was going away and what teenage years had to, had coming for me. And with, with Star Trek, there were episodes like the Doomsday Machine and the Immunity Syndrome, which what I would, I would say Star Trek The Motion Picture is a version of those episodes. People forget that if you're not having Tribbles or Gorns and Murgatus, there were some dark episodes of Star Trek that dealt with the cosmic nature of existence. And Star Trek The Motion Picture is all about the fact that you have a, a, a family that has been taken apart. And by this cosmic event which they're dealing with existence itself, the nature, an existential story to be sure, like some of my favorite episodes, the Immunity Syndrome being the most unsung episode of the original series, one of my very favorites. And by the end of this movie, these people knew where they were. They were a family again. They realized that as they moved forward, they might not know where they were going, but they were in the right place. And when I was in seventh grade, the day Star Trek The Motion Picture opened, I got beat up for wearing a Star Trek uniform to school. But after that movie was over... You can make a movie about that, Rob. That's uh, true. After that, after that movie was over, I got interviewed by the local TV station, and I realized that like the characters in the movie, I was where I was supposed to be. And, and it was a, a movie that, that told me that the rest of my life was going to be okay, and no matter what cosmic existential crisis I may face, things were going to work out. You know, by the way, this is my favorite Star Trek movie. I don't think it's the best, but it's absolutely my favorite, 100%.
0: You know, it, it, it's, it's hard to believe it. It's 40 years old. God, it, it makes me feel so old. Not as old as uh, somebody I went to high school with playing Aunt May in Spider-Man. That really makes me feel old. And, and, uh, and, and, and Martin Starr playing a teacher. I mean, you know, the kid from Freaks and Geeks is a teacher now. Yeah. How old are we? But, but 40 years is a long time. And, uh, but it still looks... That movie holds up. Tell us why, Ashley.
3: Tell
5: us now. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Don't
5: Don't wait wait for for the the translation. translation. (laughs) Answer me now. What we got back didn't live very long, fortunately. Actually, that's a great line read terribly. Um, Let me tell you, here's what I love about Star Trek, the motion pictures, two things, and they're both related. The first is that I think of all of the movies, it may be unique in that it most feels like... um, a film that leverages what makes Star Trek work in the first place, in the sense that um, I, I think there is something that we would describe as perhaps a typical Star Trek episode that The Wrath of Khan, for example, is not, right? The Wrath of Khan is atypical. I love it. I think Wrath of Khan is the best Star Trek movie. But like Rob, I love Star Trek The Motion Picture, because it really takes advantage of how Star Trek began and what Star Trek truly is. The second piece of that is Captain Kirk in this movie, because really his journey, his whole conflict, is about process versus product, right? He shows up. He thinks he knows everything about the Enterprise. People are telling him, there are things you don't know, Jim. Um, There are things that you aren't doing right. And he tries so hard to kind of force the ball Uh, on acting as though he is captain of this ship until when they finally encounter V'ger, the captain of the mission emerges, and you see Kirk in his comfort zone, and you see him grow back uh, into the man we remember from, sadly, his last appearance was the turnabout intruder, but, uh, you know, who's counting? Um, But I love the fact that Kirk has a full... Um, developed, involving arc, that his relationships with his crew feel so real, um, that his relationship with his
1: ship
0: feels so
5: real. It's all very satisfying, plus curses Combata.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, it's so funny you say that about, because, you know, at the time, a lot of the critics asked the film for wooden performances. And I think it gets a bad rap for Mm -hmm. that. I think part of the problem is it starts with that dreadful performance from Michelle Billy and David Gautreau on Epsilon 9, which I think taints the rest of the movie. And that was one of the last scenes to be filmed. And Michelle Billy, who's the person on Epsilon 9, was the wife or the girlfriend, or she was a secretary at the time there, assistant. Um, uh, She was John Polville, and Mm -hmm. she ended up marrying him. But she's not an actor. David Gautreau was the guy they, tra- they cast to replace Leonard Nimoy, right. you know, who's going to play uh, Zahn. Zahn, who's going to play Spock in Phase 2. They're both awful. And it sets the tone for the movie because you talk about you know, what we got back didn't live long fortunately, which is just one of the worst line readings in the history of cinema. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, um, that, was, that was read by Todd Ramsey, the editor. The editor, yeah. Right? It was it like, I was movie. wondering, did they ever actually do so, anything but the scratch? But oh, if okay.
0: you look at Shatner... He's so good in that movie. And they say, oh, it's humorless. It's not humorless. It's not. I mean, the whole thing where he says, you know, I stand corrected. And, you know. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I mean, he's so good. But I think one of the great scenes, not just in this movie, but in the history of Star Trek, is – after um, he yells at Decker for countermanding his uh, phaser order, um, McCoy sort of takes him to task in his quarters and there's that great shot where McCoy walks around and Shatner Kirk sort of realizes how badly he screwed up and the, the door is closed in front of him there's great Jerry Goldsmith music. It's just so potent and you know the movie doesn't get the credit for all the things that it does so freaking well.
5: Yeah, Well, that's actually, a I think, kind of a beautiful shot when those doors close, right? Because it tells you everything. It's just pure visual storytelling and pure cinema, which is not something frankly I associate with Star Trek films as much as I love them. Um, it told us something about his character and his relationship to everybody else. It told us about his emotional state, you know, and that's just one of those things where you know you're in the hands of a director like Robert Wise. Yeah.
1: Well, the, that's, that's one of the things that I uh, got from it. Um, even, even when I was, I was 12 as well when it came out. And The the grandeur of the movie and the direction is very deft and it's not fancy. It's not, let's move the camera around and zoom into this and, and bop over here. And it's very well planned and it's very well staged so that even with the simple shots of characters relating to each other, they are so well composed. And they look beautiful, even when you're just looking at a couple people on the bridge.
0: Well, it's so funny, because Walter talked about that on the show, how he couldn't understand why Bob Wise wasn't coming in for a close-up. And at one point, he made the comment to, you know, he says, I haven't had a close-up yet. And he said it was the one time he ever saw Robert Wise get angry. Right. uh, Because the stuff, and partially it was because Robert Klein didn't want the walls on the bridge to be wild, right? Right. Isn't that true? So they couldn't move. So the composition is is very interesting, the way all that stuff is shot, and I think coming on the heels of Star Wars, and I would argue even films like Moonraker, which came out mm-hmm. that year, which is also set in space and has all this action and laser fights and globes that are about to destroy the Earth, right. um, but that all has a ton of action. You know, you finally think Star Trek the motion picture writ large, and it's you know 80 percent of the movie is on the bridge.
2: Right. Well, not only that, but it's, th- th- you get a lot of uh, sort of nonverbal acting, just subtle mm-hmm. little cues and little performance things. That there's,
1: a, what, there's one little performance thing that Shatner does right when they're about to uh, leave the dry dock. Yeah. And he's sitting there at, at, at his command chair, and he's doing little little flicks with his fingers. Yeah. Like he's, he's so nervous and excited to get going again. Yep. And it's just this really subtle thing. And if you, if you don't see it on the big screen, you kind of miss it. If you see it on TV, it's kind of gone. But if you, if you look at it and you see him, he's acting very subtly and, and very deep. And it's, there's a lot going on in there that is, is hard to see if you don't see it on the big screen.
2: Yeah. It's, and it's smart that Wise is able to pull that out of him. I mean, Absolutely. I, that's what's extraordinary about it. Absolutely. Well,
4: not only that, Darren, you know. You worked on the director's cut. And as we know, anyone who watched that ABC version of the film, we saw footage that we'd never seen before. Some of it was unfinished. They call that the
1: special longer edition. The special
4: longer edition. That's also the version they first released on VHS. So that was what we saw over and over and over again. And what struck me even as a kid was the fact that Star Trek The Motion Picture has the single most important character development in all of Star Trek. And that is Spock discovering the value of human emotion. Right. Where he, he literally comes into contact, he's confronting the greatest intellect, the greatest purely logical intellect in the universe, and he realizes this this entity, this V'ger, the I- indeed Veger's entire machine planet's growth is stunted. And that he realizes in that moment, and there's the great one of the great moments in Star Trek history when Spock is, is in in in, um, in on Dr. McCoy's Medical scanning bed, and he holds Kirk's hand and says, "This simple feeling is beyond V'ger's comprehension." And there's more of that, where Spock weeps, and of course, when you guys did the director's cut. Uh, director's edition, to, like throw Director's something. edition, Rob. Director. I, I hate because it's
1: not me. just a cut. Yes,
4: the director's edition, but but having this kind of of incredible character development, you couldn't do that on a TV show of the day. No, you true. because the, everything had to come back to the way it was when it began. But this film fundamentally changed who Spock was as as an individual, as a character, and indeed that played throughout the rest of the film series. Well, that's a great point because,
1: you know, unfortunately, the the theatrical release was basically a rough cut. Um, People who know the history of this uh, film know that they were up against amazing pressure to get something released for that December 7th, 1979 date, and... They were running crazy. They had all their visual, their their first visual effects company was fired, and they had to race to finish it. And in order to do that, they had to set aside various chunks of the film, uh, which was restricted to a certain running time. So they had to take out chunks to make room for the new effects shots that were coming in. That they cut in whole because there was no time to do a final cut, there was no time to do uh, audience previews, nothing. So that whole section of Spock's growth and his his whole character arc is kind of chopped off, unfortunately. And I think that's one of the reasons why Nimoy himself was very much um, uh, upset. Well, you know with the famous the story
0: where he accosted the editor at the premiere at mm-hmm. the Smithsonian in... Washington, D.C., the National Theater, um, after the movie. Like, where is that scene? Right. You know, right. he was so upset about it. And that's why whenever you would read interviews with Nimoy later on, he, he would he always, always bad badmouth Star Trek The Motion Picture. He would Baxter. always
1: badmouth, and I think that's really unfortunate. Um, but I, I'm, I'm so grateful that uh, uh, Dave Fine and Mike Mancino and I got to work with Robert Wise on the director's edition because all of that great character stuff was able to be put back in intact and work better than ever, and I'm so proud to have been able to do that for that project. And you know,
0: um, Will, can we see the next clip?
1: Ooh, we the next clip. clip. We Ooh, oh, we have a next clip. A clip. We show. have more clips. Oh, we have a lot. A lot of clips. Ooh.
0: and you can see them all
1: now.
5: <laughs> all at once.
0: Simultaneously. Oh, let's go straight to the Fuel McDonald's. Off. Let's go to McDonald's commercial. Okay. Okay. We'll watch the trailer first. Because one thing that people don't realize is...
1: William Shatner. Leonard Nimoy. This is the state of marketing circa 19... This was 1978. I think this is one of the only things that was actually finished by... uh, This is the original wormhole effect. Well, this was actually finished by uh, Bob Abel. The human adventure
3: is just beginning.
1: Not in the film thankfully.
3: William Shatner, take us out. Is Captain James T. Kirk. Leonard Nimoy, is Mr. Spock. DeForest Kelly is Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy. James Doohan is Lieutenant Commander Montgomery Scott. George Takei is Lieutenant Commander Sulu. Majel Barrett is Dr. Christine Chapel. Mr. Koenig is Lieutenant Pavel Chekhov. Michelle Nichols is Lieutenant Commander Uhura. Stephen Collins is Commander Willard Decker. Persis Kambata is Lieutenant Aylia. earlier Robert where you talked about um, of a Wise the building. sense of
0: awe and wonder. You know, this film o- owed a lot more to Kubrick than it did to George Lucas. That's uh, for sure. That sort of through a loop to people. But it, you really, I think pe- for people who've seen, only seen on TV, they've lost out on sort of the spectacle of Star Trek The Motion Picture.
1: And people have to realize the drought of, in between the end of uh, the original run of Star Trek and through the, uh, through the syndication the drought of Star Trek, and we, we began hearing little rumors that, you know, the movie was going to happen, or is it going to be another TV series? Is it going to be a movie? What is it going to be? And, you know, in, uh, in sci-fi publications, you began to hear little uh, reports of, oh, they're, they're filming the new movie. And the anticipation for this was palpable. Like the Ketchup. It was, oh my God. Yeah. It was, yeah, a- anticipation yeah. with a capital A. You know, <laughs> that's what they have on their chest. Um.
4: <laughs> Darren, yeah. you didn't you didn't mention what's amazing about that clip we just showed is who is actually narrating well, that trailer.
1: Of course, it's Orson Welles.
4: Yeah,
1: uh, Fontaine. I mean, the
4: man who
5: directed He's Citizen Kane. Orson Welles played Viger, the whole cloud, as it turns out. <laughs> which is
2: well, there's <laughs> a so, there's a story. Because of course, of the connection with Wise. I don't
4: know. I've always wanted well, to do that. There's
1: you know? a no. There's a there's a story that. Uh, They cast Orson Welles to do the uh, voiceovers for the uh, TV commercials as well. And apparently during the recording sessions, uh, they had a very tough time getting Orson Welles to say, a Robert Wise film. (laughs) Because he was very angry at Robert Wise for a perceived uh, slight that because Robert Wise came in and finished The Magnificent Ambersons um, after... Wells went yeah, to South America. And oversaw the reshoots. And he and oversaw the reshoots, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. Wells never forgave him. Uh, and he was very, uh, very petulant about, about recording this stuff, but he needed the money. so. Wow. Well, it's he like, had a lot kind of, of wine sense. to buy. Uh,
0: you know, the thing people forget also about Star Trek the motion picture, because of course, no one had expected Star Wars to take the world by surprise the way it Certainly did. not Paramount. You know, and that's why you had things like the early bird box, you know, where they basically sold a box of empty toys to you for Christmas and then sent you the toys later. And, you know, the soundtrack went out of print immediately, uh, you know, sold out. and It took them months before they could print enough to keep up with demand. So when Star Trek The Motion Picture came around, and uh, everyone thought this was going to be the next Star Wars, and of course it couldn't be further away from Star Wars, but there, were so many, there, was, so, there was so much merchandise tied in, including, interestingly, the first McDonald's Happy Meal. Which I so can... it, let's well, go back.
1: The first, the first tie-in Happy Meal. <laughs> right, right, right. The first tie-in,
0: movie tie-in yeah. Happy Meal, not the first Happy Meal. Because McDonald's was spreading happiness long before that. Indeed. That's but, right. yeah. And meals. <laughs> let's look at the McDonald's uh, Happy Meal. We have that up there, I believe.
1: Yes, number three.
0: Number three.
3: Presenting McDonald's Star Trek Meal. Parents, take a good look. It's the only meal approved for your kids by the United Federation of Planets. Outside, the Enterprise. Action. Intrigue. Five exciting boxes based on Star Trek. The motion picture. Inside, a Transporter accident. Number two. (laughs) A McDonald's and cookie sampler and a Star Trek prize. Star Trek Meal. Games, jokes, puzzles. Your kids will love them. McDonald's Star Trek Meal.
0: Of okay. course, was Gary Owens. Uh, Gary Owens. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that so much. I love that so much. I'm going to show a bonus Happy Meal commercial. Go to the last <laughs> clip. And la- because I just can't what is this is a Pruder to- film? It's oh, okay. <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, back
5: in
2: the- I'd forgotten how pervasive. <laughs> Noah
4: McDonald. For
3: you parents oh. who don't speak Klingonese, <laughs>
4: he's saying, "People of Earth, unite."
3: And <laughs> bring your kids to McDonald's for a Star Trek meal. That's a regular hamburger, fries, soft drink, a McDonald's and cookie sampler, and a Star Trek prize. <laughs> oh, he has five different boxes based on Star Trek the motion picture, action scenes, jokes, games. He says, take it from a father who knows his kids love him. McDonald's Star Trek meal available for your kids now.
0: That is the holiday special of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> They were, i got to get Alexander home for Life Day. you know. They just, were all in.
1: <laughs> As an Absolutely. eight-year-old, I begged
5: to go to McDonald's at least once a week just yeah. to get a Star Trek Happy Meal.
1: The artwork on those things was amazing. I, I still have a complete set that my dear friend uh, 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 gave me for my birthday one year, and um, they're gorgeous. I love them, I love them, I love them. Do you love them? I, <laughs> I, I, I really love them. Yeah. Did
5: your complete set have an intact Happy Meal in
1: it? It, it, did not, it did not, but they had all the toys. Okay, cool. Which was almost as good.
0: What well, we got back didn't live long. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, fortunately. Uh,
4: another thing that, that the merchandising for this film was not just Happy Meals. It was everything. Yeah. Pocket Books began yeah. their Star Trek novel series with Vonda McIntyre's The Entropy Effect. Great book. That To this day, there's been over a thousand books printed. And, and
0: Rob all. has read them all.
4: <laughs> well at least I own them all uh, except the Discovery books I haven't bought those and nor will I but um, uh, just kidding just kidding I kid I kid no I don't kid but, but I mean Mego made action figures of course kids were not I think I was like the only kid that wanted these Star Trek figures but they were great the model kit came out they, they had an Enterprise toy that you could rearrange then engine and ha- had lighting cells. had
0: interior lighting that was a big deal at it this was time. amazing Okay, you know what, since you brought the merchandise, and then I want to ask you about some of these books that came out to tie in, but we have a Mego toy commercial. Let's take a look at this, because this is, uh-huh. a, this is a fantastic, this gives you a sense of, you know, how they were selling the toys back then. It's no wonder Marty Abrams went out of business.
5: Pardon me. Star Trek!
3: This is the exploration pod of the USS Enterprise, part of the Star Trek Collection. Each sold separately. Star Trek. This is the Klingon cruiser and the Vulcan shuttle. Vulcan shuttle has a breakaway cockpit. It you never can moved that fast in the movies. As you send the Enterprise to the rescue. Star
5: Trek. That's actually how they did the special effects USS in
3: Star Enterprise, Trek V. Klingon cruiser and Vulcan shuttle from the Star Trek collection. Each sold separately by Mego.
4: By the way, I've been trying to get those for forty years.
1: <laughs> so if I don't, anyone
4: knows? I don't
1: think they were ever. I don't, I don't think they were ever really, made either. But why someone's you got failed.
4: prototypes. I think the the next Star Trek Trek. movie
0: should have that as the theme.
1: Star Trek!
4: You know, know, I think there's another thing that that, uh, for all the fans out there. One of the things that Star Trek The Motion Picture did was really start Star Trek canon. The same way that the Menagerie, which showed us the first pilot, The Cage, gave us an 11-year history of Star Trek, this leapt forward canonically in the Star Trek universe. So suddenly you had this intervening time we didn't know it was were they going to go on another 5 mission what 5 year mission what happened at the end of the first 5 year mission why was kirk an admiral and a desk jockey so there was all of this canonical information that was being imparted also in the novelization which that also had never happened before in a pop culture franchise and it really gave birth, and according you know, to Roddenberry and the novelization, then they started really adding the Star Trek spaceflight chronology, which came out from Rick Sternbach, who later went on to work on The Next Generation. There was Lee Cole's peel-off graphics book, yep. where you could make your house look like the interior of the Enterprise if you wanted. There was more blueprints that came out. And it really, as a fan, as a 12-year-old fan, I'm like... This is all canonical. They were building the Star Trek universe, something they've forgotten how to do now. But they certainly. Let me do stop how to you there, it.
0: Rob, before you get <laughs> a, yourself into trouble again. Um, I just want to say that I was very remiss because you made me. Re- you know, I mentioned all the great podcasts we've done on Star Trek 40, but the, probably the best podcast we did on Star Trek 40, maybe the best podcast we've ever done, is um, Star Trek The Novelization, in which oh. Darren Doctorman read excerpts from the Star Trek, the motion picture novelization. Now, if you haven't read this book, you owe it to yourself, or at least listen to the podcast. It is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. (laughs) It is insane. You know, basically, Roddenberry was given $400,000 to write the novelization, and he could write whatever he wanted. So, you know, basically, um, Captain Kirk thanks his love coach uh, right uh, in the book, um, they talk about the new humans. Everyone's having sex in this. Yeah, part, right. Which is canonical now. And and then there's a communicator inside people's heads. And um, it, it, but it's so crazy. And Darren read, reread all the parts, and it <laughs> right. was it was fantastic.
1: I've, I thought I could do it.
0: <laughs> and, and and so I strongly recommend the novelization is its own unique thing because here you have the creator of the series. You know, it's not like when George Lucas you know wrote Star Wars where it was really Alan Dean Foster. It was it was, uh, re- it was, really it was Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry, yeah. and you could tell if you had any doubts that yeah.
5: Gene Roddenberry I actually wrote this book. Read that book before I saw the movie, so I had read Roddenberry's description of the what we got back didn't live long, fortunately. But in the book, it was terrifying Horrifying. and visceral yeah. and awful. Right. So that when we got to that scene, like, I couldn't bear to watch. So I, like, I watched it like this. It yep. took me 20 years to see that scene.
0: But you know, you also find out who that was supposed to be. Right, that yeah. was Admiral Nagura's aide who Kirk was having an affair with. That's why he's so broken up about right. he can't even look at it because this is like his girlfriend who's just been dis- you know, mangled in this horrible transporter Turned
1: accident. Turned inside out. Inside out. Inside out.
0: It's awful. So um, we got to look at another Mego commercial because these things are—you the, the, know—where else are you going to see this stuff? Uh, <laughs> this is the bridge. This is the bridge. This is the bridge. Yeah. This is the bridge.
1: This is the command center of the USS Enterprise from the Star Trek collection.
0: Assembly report. Hey,
2: look! There's Captain Kirk and Commander Decker.
0: And Officer Ileah. There's also the Vulcan Shuttle with docking for it. You can put in Scotty, Spock, and Dr. McCoy. Bridge, Shuttle, and Action Figures each sold separately. Well, the crew goes back and forth. Vulcan Shuttle, USS Enterprise Bridge, and Figures all sold separately by Nico.
2: Did they ever sell that?
1: They no, never made that Vulcan they never, Shuttle. They never actually...
4: Because, wow! Ever, ever that did was, I've um, looked, Bill. I've that's looked. That's
2: crazy.
0: So, so um... Look, we love Star Trek: The Motion Picture, and one of the questions I think we asked, we get asked a lot, is. Um you know, that director's edition that they did on DVD was so spectacular, is anything gonna happen? I think even when we announced this panel, people were saying, oh, maybe something's gonna be announced at this panel about the Star Trek director's edition in 4K, and you know, I know that there are plans afoot to uh, screen Star Trek The Motion Picture for the 40th anniversary, but that's gonna be the uh, original uh, theatrical version, Um, and I guess they'll announce that in Vegas, I won't talk about that, even though I know the details. And, um, but uh, but I do have somebody here who uh, was one of the producers who worked very closely with Robert Wise, um, he's been a guest on the show before, and he has an announcement he'd like to share with you, so if Dave Fine will come on up, uh, and, or actually, you can go right to the microphone right there, and um, tell us, tell us the, you come with news.
3: Well, it's not that exciting, but still. <laughs> By the way, Mark, uh, love that shirt. Uh, who's your tailor?
0: Ah, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> anyway. Four you six. Four you eight.
3: Um, I was actually going to say that, that there was something that was announced that is not going to happen There was something that was um, A lot of people came to me and said Because someone heard that there was a As a matter of fact, I read it on on Bill's site That there was a, um, a Blu-ray announced of the theatrical edition as a digibook And that was just a placeholder It wasn't supposed to be in there And that project isn't something that is scheduled to happen They were putting it in place And so many people asked me So I wanted to make a statement about that Additionally, I can now say to everybody that we're in talks with Paramount about finally doing the director's edition in 4K. And finally having it uh, finished. We don't have a deal yet, but for the first time in so many years, we're really having talks. And it's, it looks like it's going to happen, so I'm excited about it. And it's, it means so much because 20 years ago we gave you a gift of the film was finished and it was such a gift for Bob. You know, that, that his film was finally complete after all those years. And then it went away. And, you know, I've been trying to get it to happen. And you guys deserve it. And they know it. And they really are, pre- are working with us to make this happen. And i got to tell you guys, Bob would absolutely be thrilled at the job you're doing today. Thanks so much for all you're doing for Star Trek and for everybody else. For- well, someone has
0: to. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but th- cool th- Thank you, Dave. That's great news. We're so excited about the potential, and we yes. should, everyone should keep the um, the pressure on, so this doesn't, you know, to make sure that this actually does happen. Yeah. Uh, Here,
2: yeah. Here's the thing, like, so Paramount wants to do this. What they're nervous about is if they do it and spend the money to do it right, are you guys going to be there to buy it? And when, it, and when it becomes available for sale, you can't go, oh, I'm going to wait until Black Friday and get it for $14. If they decide to do it and they announce it and it goes up for pre-order, you guys got to step up and pre-order it because the more of you who do that, the more this kind of thing can happen. Here's why it's
5: worth your valuable time and money. Okay, I'm going to tell you why you should be excited to watch this movie. Not just because you know we all love it and we have nostalgia for it and it looks great and the new effects are awesome. Um, it is... Truly, you know, a film that deserves the title the motion picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the director's addition to pacing is so much better. Um, so much of the scene construction is so much better. Things are so much. Anything that I think somebody might have had a valid criticism of that theatrical cut, um, I think just evaporates. And. What is truly special about this director's edition is how the emotion of these characters comes through. You know, Rob touched on the scene where Spock says, "You know, this simple feeling is beyond viger. what what Rob is leaving out is it is this it's this fully realized moment where you understand, that Spock is weeping for V'ger because V'ger is incapable of empathy. He himself feels empathy for the first time, and it's an awakening. And, right. and just as a cinematic experience, you see it happening on Leonard Nimoy's face, right? It's not just about the crying. It's not just about the line. And the relationships between those characters feel so palpable, so real. It is absolutely worth your time. There's nothing cold and distant about this film. It's a deeply emotional, intimate film um, told on a grand scale. So go out there and buy the
4: goddamn thing when it gets listed on Amazon. And if
0: it's remastered well, in 4K as a DCP, it can be shown theatrically. The, which abso- yeah. Absolutely. Well,
4: that's what they have to do is is they have to follow what Warner Brothers did with the 2001 re-release recently and put it in IMAX screens, which means they have to give you guys access to the negative and they absolutely. have to really do a, a, a real scan. In the
1: meantime,
2: everyone tweet your support yeah. for, now. This, yeah. for this project. Is
0: there a hashtag? And by the way, ta- ta- you can it-
2: tag also at Paramount Home Ent and let them know yes. that you want Star Trek out. And by the way, in the, in the event that they should listen to this podcast when it, gets, when, it, when it gets released, how many of you guys out there want this in Blu-ray and 4K? And
4: by the way, if I might suggest, write to Jim Giannopoulos, who is the head of hmm. Paramount, Write him a very respectful, very, very, very nice letter. Don't make it long, but on the outside of the letter, you've got to mail it to him and write "personal" and "confidential" on the letter. Make sure it's nice and, and suggest to him they follow what Warner Brothers did with 2001 theatrically. It could be an IMAX release, and it would cover the costs of the restoration. And, and then, it's then once
0: that's me. done, we can get on with Star Trek Five. No,
4: that's right. no, it was no, don't Star at time, Trek one at a time. <laughs>
2: Well, you okay. know, they, they did Star Trek, two, so th- that would be two restorations that they've done in 4K. Yeah. That's a pretty good start.
0: That would, be, that would be great. And then they could stop there.
2: So. Yeah, that's <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> be that's, fine that's, with me. That's, that's fine. And we can get on with the black hole 4K. That's no.
2: right. Uh, <laughs> uh, did, you know, did, did you say black hole? hole? What? Did you say the black said, yeah, hole? Yeah, black hole. Did you know that's coming out from the Disney movie club? That doesn't count. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah,
0: no. But you know, in another uh, Mark Altman is old moment, I just want to say, have you noticed we have three Orion slave girls here, but, which is really nice because in the last couple of years at Comic Con, you say, oh, that's a really great Green Orion slave girl. They go, I'm Gamora. And it's like, oh,
4: come on. <laughs> but well, worse than that, Mark, you can't call them Green Orion slave girls anymore. Right? But, but, Hashtag no. Oh, is that. Is, <laughs> I, I,
0: I, I missed that memo, Rob.
1: But we also have a special guest. We ha- We have the Ilea probe here.
0: I know, but she's been here many times in the past. We're glad to see her again. It's
1: fantastic. But I just want to remind you that that thing in another form is what killed Ilea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Christine Chappell knew a lot about her past. She did. Even though they had never met
1: before.
5: Well, I'm sure they did. Oh, you know what took me 40 years to figure out? So, I was just recently rewatching the movie, and when Chekhov gets burned and he screams for the first time in his Star Trek movie career, I think he does it like every film, um, he's getting treated for the burn, and Aaliyah's like, you know, I can Let me help. take away his pain. his pain, and it took me 40 years to figure out, oh, she's a delton, and that's why he's not feeling pain. He feels really good right now, like in ways that maybe he doesn't want to talk about in a movie that's rated G.
0: <laughs> you know, we didn't ask Walter about that when he was on the show.
1: We should have. <laughs> Walter wouldn't have wanted to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Walter, that was between Walter him and Walter Francis. had, Walter had a, lot of, a lot of baggage from those years, I think, and he... <laughs> He he had some very serious uh, thoughts about the film. Well,
0: you know, and, and it was funny because that book that he wrote, we talked about the merchandising, Chekhov's Enterprise, was such an interesting insight because, you know, all these books now, these, these behind-the-scenes, they go through a litany of publicists and uh, managers and everyone has to approve and, you know, everything is so positive and upbeat. This was like a really candid kind of look behind the curtain. Yeah. And, it was it's up there with like Roger Moore's James Bond Diaries on the Making of Live and right. Let Die. They're like two of the really great kind of making of behind the scenes books before, you know. Now now it's none of it's all true. I mean yeah. they, they don't write I mean he actually wrote it, which was pretty yeah.
1: awesome. Yeah.
0: So, uh, favorite scene, Bill. Favorite scene in Star Trek the Motion Picture.
2: <laughs> Photon torpedoes away. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I smile every time I see that. <laughs>
0: I don't think that was their intention. No. Okay, Rob Burnett, favorite well, I
4: talked about it earlier, but that scene when, when uh, Spock holds Kirk, Kirk's hand and says this simple feeling is, is beyond Vigar's comprehension.
5: Ashley E. Miller. I would have said that one, but I'm also going to nominate Dr. McCoy's first appearance when he looks like he was yeah. kidnapped from a caveman disco, and he's really <laughs> mad.
1: He's like and at Plato's retreat. What are you doing? <laughs> right.
5: you were revered Admiral Nagora.
1: And he, he, had the, he had the headpiece to the staff of Ra on his neck. <laughs> but take you back to Kadam place. for the Hebrew god whose art this is. Oh, my turn? Um, <laughs> look, I know a lot of, a lot of people, I, I have a litmus test. Uh, and it is, so what do you think of Scotty's tour around the Enterprise with Kirk in the, in the travel pod? And if they say, oh, it goes on so long, then I don't talk to them anymore. (laughs) Because that scene... Wrong thinking will be put Exactly. That scene is so wonderful to someone who had just seen it on TV. I I, I mentioned when when, uh, Bill was talking about it earlier, it's the first time that Star Trek became real. Yeah. It 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 was completely convincing. It was it it still brings a, a lump to my throat and it's so beautiful and the the look in Shatner's eyes when he's looking at a blue screen. Um but yeah. his acting there is so, you know, when he does that little the the little dip down so he can see the whole enterprise. It's so beautiful and you can see the devotion and the love that Kirk has for his home,
2: Darren, and, and the look he shares with with yeah,
1: too. Yeah, there's so that good. moment.
4: There's that. It was one of the greatest Shatner acting moments ever. When he, he, when Scotty looks at him and he does that thing with his face, just like, right. wow. You know, it's that little subtle moment where you realize that. I, that's when I as a kid. I was I felt exactly the same way he yeah. did. Yep. Watching that flight around the Enterprise, and yep. I, I mean, that still.
2: And it's never looked more beautiful. The ship. No. no. And that piece of music too. The, uh, it's just—it's—it's it's just stunning. Mm-hmm. Stunning.
0: I've always said, you know, it's not—you know—is it too long? It's not long it's enough. It's not long enough. You I would—I
1: would watch two hours of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you know, my, my seeing the overture. No, I love—I love <laughs> the overture. You know, it was the second to last movie to have an overture. Mm -hmm. Uh, The black hole, infamously being the last. But you know, any scene with Jerry Goldsmith's music, it's just brilliant. Dry dock, everything. I mean, I mentioned how much I love that scene with Shatner. I love the scene in the um, the the rec deck. Uh, You know, I love the fact that the ship was teeming with life. Yeah, that uh, you know, when the shuttle pod docks, there is a sense that. There's this huge ship, and there's all these people moving around it, and Captain Kirk can get lost in it. Because yeah. it, it was the last movie where there was really – you said it. It's a motion picture, and mm-hmm. it felt epic and and big. And, the and world real. Felt, the world
4: felt real. big.
2: The world felt really big. You no, know,
4: Mark, another thing, it, it really established the relationship between the impulse engines and the warp drive, which is something <laughs> I never understood. I watched Star Trek episodes a million times. I'm like, I don't get where they are. Where's engineering – and they show you in this movie. And they did it with forced perspective, and yeah. they did it with little people. And I That's loved true. it
0: so much. And how great is it that the Enterprise... Yes, we saw it the first six times. Thank you. <laughs> um, and um, we have the next panel here, too. Yeah, we're,
1: we're so, the next panel, we're the, so...
0: So, um, okay. anyway, the, the point being that the Enterprise engine room was also not a Budweiser plant. It was a really cool set... Um, and it's great. But anyway, we're so appreciative that you would all come out here today to celebrate great news from Dave Fine and his team.
1: I'm, I'm excited that so many people came to see us here today. Yeah, and you, I hope totally. that that you
0: can listen to Inglorious every week on Saturdays on any where w- you wherever you get your
1: podcast. Just search Inglorious Experts. Thank and you for we your are. support
0: all year. If you want, it, we'll be back for 4:30 movie in
2: two minutes. That's thank you very much. And everybody get out on social media and, and promote this movie, this read this remaster.